just trust me, okay? This is Michael, and we are here on a fabulous Sunday. I don't know, for those of you out there that are steady followers and listeners, thank you so much. You've noticed this week we have picked up the pace. I have a feeling it's only going to get not necessarily worse, worse, but worse in the sense that we have a lot more people coming through, which to us, a sign of success. And who is a better sign of success than when you have Tracy Stern walk through the door? (laughs) Hello, Tracy. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you guys doing? Doing great. And apparently you didn't OD on us. You were here all night last night Mm -hmm. and you're back again. I am. And I hate to break it to you all out there, but we have talked to her and I think we'll be seeing a lot more of her. So she needs a little bit of some help with some adult time. So every other week, she'll be able to break out (laughs) away from the children and come and join us. So just keep us posted with your schedule. You know we want you here. Anytime, yeah. So first up, let's talk about one of the issues that you really, really love, female empowerment. Yes. So let's start with how do you usually lead into talking about female empowerment and the necessity that there is to bring it up and talk about it? Being that, um, you know, being a plus size model when I started in my early 20s, not understanding what that meant. Okay. Female empowerment, it didn't even exist. Those words didn't exist back then. Right. And because this is circa what, like 93? Yeah. Yeah. The early 90s. And there weren't all of these, you know, catchphrases and, you know, body positive movements and all that stuff. Because I think in 93, weren't women supposed to still be barefoot and in a kitchen? Not quite that bad. We were, you know, women were allowed to work, but there was still that disconnect between the sexes where women weren't supposed to be in certain fields. Women absolutely weren't supposed true. to be doing certain things. They weren't supposed to be saying certain things. And that, you know, the feminist movement, it wasn't as dramatic as it is, but it, you know, it was on the way right to getting where it's where it's gotten to. Um, a lot of sexism on the jobs, a lot of sexual comments, a lot of disrespect, and all of that was very prevalent back then. Well, and a lot of what we're seeing now is that the light is being shed on what had been going on then in the shadows, where a lot of women are coming forward that they were getting cornered in the workplace still in the mm-hmm. 90s, well into the 2000s, and being pressured into like scenarios that were not suited to be in the workplace. Right. It's very unfortunate. I have a really good friend of mine that she actually, and I was kind of shocked, I think it only happened about like eight years ago, 10 years ago, that she basically was pressured at work by a coworker. And when she finally decided she was going to draw attention to it and went about it the right way, they blacklisted her. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't able to really get work in that area. And she had to completely go into another city. So I, I just, it blows my mind because sometimes, even though obviously biologically I'm a man, I still don't make that connection because I have such large female attributes with right. within my personality. So it doesn't li- really like dawn on me. But I guess clearly women are so substantially treated differently when it comes to stuff still even now that it's just tragic. Oh, it's it's still very relevant right now. I mean, I work in the trades, which is a male dominated industry. And it's still um, I've been uh, referred to as sweetie. sunshine and these are from peers wow and And they think it's okay yeah and you know and then when it's brought up there's still there's still that disconnect and i think with the big feminist movement and all of the me too's and things like that a lot of companies that are male dominated uh hierarchy right see it now as an annoyance okay 
and kind of now want to brush it under the rug, but they can't sometimes. But the fake support is very real. Right. It's very real. Yeah. Like kind of like the ones that now that we're dealing with racism, a lot of them go, but I'm not. I have a black friend. Right. So it's like, oh, no, 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 because I blah, blah, blah. I support Girl Scouts. Right. Or I support, you know, whatever. And you're like, come on. You know, that's just for show. I have daughters. Right. (laughs) Yeah. How can I be sexist? I have daughters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I think one of the biggest things that we got to see, too, was with um, Hillary Clinton running for president. And then now we have Kamala Harris that's in as the vice president. There was a lot of those undertones there, and it's it got a little bit less because of racial tension as well, but mm-hmm. it's still there. Oh, yeah. It's like it's, a woman. She's not accepted. No. She's a token. Yes. You know, and right now, because it's such a hot topic, and I don't want to take anything away from her or her achievements. Absolutely or nothing. not. She deserves to be where she is. Yes. However, I don't feel that the choice they made was 100% based on merit merit yes I think a lot of it was shock and awe and you know we can guarantee the win by bringing in that voice is it odd though that in politics it was more of a political choice to bring her I mean come on you know it's like clearly yeah I mean I think the same thing happened when you look back one of the biggest shocking things that happened with the McCain running for president situation who who else better to bring in than some psycho from up north but that turned out to be a woman. Right. And so they had the huge shock value with that. And it was. There's the movie The Game Changer that came out. I don't know if you've ever watched it. Mm-mm. It really was interesting to see. And apparently that was a huge part of the vetting process was it was like, no, 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 no one's going to pay attention to him, 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 him. And they're like, her? She's up there. She's got all these kids. Nobody's really heard of her. Let's bring her. And, she, and the biggest thing, she was pretty. It goes back to that any publicity is good publicity. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, McCain-Palin, that was that was pretty much a huge representation of that. It wasn't because she was a great governor. Right. It was because she was pretty, and she happened to be a Republican. Mm-hmm. So let's bring her on in. Um, so outside of that, I know that with female empowerment, there there's a lot of current women's issues that are in the limelight. Clearly, we talked about one of them. What are some other issues that are going on that really have struck you as needing to be addressed or needing to have more of a voice or a presence? For my, for me being that I'm 48 years old, okay. uh, I'm not as young as I used to be. I have a, there's a different mentality in my demographic. Okay. And, and I don't, my, my goal is not to target the 20 somethings because there's enough girls out there targeting them. Right. Um, I'm targeting the women who are coming into that second phase of their life. Some of them who are rebuilding a life Maybe after, you know, a marriage, broken marriage, Um, maybe women that are coming into it that are have been unhappy and are looking to change, but are too scared to change. Do you think we're seeing a huge resurgence more so than we have before of women now launching into a second act? I think definitely there's more women today standing up and going, you know what, I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and I'm just going to I'm just going to give it a shot. Okay, come what may. Yes, I I agree with that. A lot more women now are strong enough to go ahead and either leave that man, leave that job, leave that life that they were living for someone else. Right. And so now they're looking. But like you said, they're not in their 20s. They're not in their 30s. So how do you go about making sure that those women who are, let's say, 40 plus are feeling secure in their decision making when they know clearly it is a huge risk? It's making them understand that there is a process. There are tools necessary in order to succeed. You can't just decide. There has to be some planning, almost like a business plan. Right. 
Um, but there has to be a business plan for, for their mental state right. to do a mind shift. Okay. They have to understand the components of whatever their change is, whether it's uh, if they're becoming self-employed, what exactly that means to be self-employed, right. what the work ethic needs to be. It's very different than when you have a nine to five. Yes. Because when you have a nine to five, you're told what to do. And when you become an entrepreneur, you now become the everything. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, you are the one that motivates you you're the one that markets you you're the one that you know sells you and you're the one that has to um, motivate yourself to achieve those goals and, right and so there's certain tools that are necessary but the biggest thing that I always start with is the mind shift yes absolutely and I think a lot of people and I think this is male female whatnot thinking that they're gonna go into the mindset of being an entrepreneur it is a lot bigger of a shift than most people realize. Because like you said, you don't have a huge corporate entity with corporate deep pockets to pull from. It's you and it's your account right? and your small business and everything that goes into that. Did you have, I know you've been doing this, um, this mentality you have now, you've had this for a while because you not, you had an agent and multiple agents at that, mm -hmm. but you still were running yourself right. and you were managing all of your own finances and stuff like that. Do you feel that that really helped suit you for where you're at now? And how do you go about helping someone who's never had to do that before get into that mindset? It, it has definitely helped. My previous career taught me so much about uh, what I'm capable of, what my parameters are, what my limitations may be. Um, and I was put through stuff um, like crisis management. Okay. I handle, I mean, I was taught crisis management at a young age, how right. to deal with not having, um, airfare, not having, um, so like on a Friday night I'm in Chicago and I'm supposed to be flying to Kansas city for a photo shoot on Saturday. Mm. And, um, basically I get to the airport at like five, four thirty or something for my flight. And right. There's no ticket. So now I have to figure out, okay, I have to be at the booking. My agency's right. closed. And I go, okay, well, what am I going to do? Well, my rent, it's also a rent weekend. Mm -hmm. right? So the first of the month is, is next month, you know, the, the yeah. Monday following that weekend. And then basically I'm like, okay. So I call my agent at home and they're like, well, do you have cash? I didn't have any credit in the U.S. yet. Right. So I had no credit cards. I know a lot of people, I think, because it, it shocked me until you said it. A lot of people might forget you're Canadian. Yes. So <laughs> so yeah. here you are. Right. So I was building my credit. I had no credit in the U.S. And I had all I could do. Everything was cash based. Right. right. So I'm sitting there and my agent's like, look, just use your rent money to buy your ticket Monday right. morning. Come in, get a check and then go put it back in the bank. So this is that borderline, like, pay the rent or do I do my job? Right. right. So I'm looking at, at, at those things. So, of course, I withdraw the money. I buy my ticket. I go do my job Monday. You know, I go to the agency, get my check and, you know, take it back to the bank. But there are situations where, you know, you have to figure out, OK, well, look, I've got two choices. I, I need to do the job. I can't not show up for work. Right. Um, and as you know, going back to a previous conversation, clients don't give a shit. No, <laughs> they really don't. No, it's not my problem. You couldn't get here. Yeah, just you get know? here. Just get here. Yeah. Uh, and so the agency, you know, they did what they could. So that sort of prepared me. And going through those small little crisis, and you know, not panicking, and coming out and seeing like it's not that big of a deal. It's right. There's always a solution to every problem. Has become my mentality. So there's certain women that I'll talk to, and there's women that you can see 
aren't there yet. Well, and you have to make sure too. I think it's it's a difficult path to navigate when your instinct is as soon as one little thing goes wrong, fall apart. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. You just have to regroup. On that note, we're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back. I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair and send him on his way. Get the picture? Welcome back. So we were talking about how women who are going for that second act and may also be chasing after the entrepreneurial dream of working for themselves need to prepare themselves for crisis management situations where you're going to have to figure out, okay, I need to be quick on my feet Mm -hmm. and I need to be prepared that, yes, I've planned for situation A, but B, C, D, and E are probably also just as likely. So with that in mind, they need to be equipped with how to handle that and not just fall apart. Right. So more often than not, let's say that a second act isn't necessarily in the cards for them to have the entrepreneurial spirit, but they're going to go back to school. I have also talked to a lot of women that they're going back to school and they get very intimidated. And I don't necessarily know if I'm phrasing this correctly, but I've just the way that it's come across to me is it's almost like they get in, they're ready, they get registered, they're good to go. But because they're around all of these much younger people, they're all on their phones, they're typing, they know all the programs a lot faster. It almost becomes a distraction to where they're like, you know, I know what I'm learning and I know that I can do good on the test, but I feel like I'm not good enough. So how does one go about overcoming that thought process when clearly that's all just in your head? Um, It makes me think of a scene out of Legally Blonde. Okay. When Reese Witherspoon, who is this fashionista out of California, goes to Harvard Law School Uh and she shows up with her pink Apple laptop. Right. And right, and everybody else has their Microsoft black, boring, typical, right? right? But Harvard look, right? The Harvard look, and right. she's wearing, you know, she's not conforming. No, but it took her a minute. Like she went in all California, right? But then she understood. Okay, clearly, my clearly, I can't be a hundred percent. I do have to play the game, right? So she conformed to the extent of. Her clothes were pink. Yes. But now they were in proper length in the knee. Right. And the flare, you know, so she was able to incorporate her style, her personality. Put her spin on it. Right. But still play by the rules. Absolutely. Understanding what the game was. And so when I'm talking to women who are transitioning into a new field, it's basically you've earned the position that you have achieved. You have earned the right to be wherever you are. And you don't need to conform to societal's demands based on your age, your your weight, your anything. So if you're walking into a situation, you have to look at it like, so this is something, this is like one of, and this is probably, I'm probably going to get so much black for this, <laughs> but the mom bod. Okay. Let's just talk about the mom bod, for example. Well, and it's okay too, because now there's what, the dad bod the is dad a thing? Bod, right. Yeah. So, okay. The mom bod. The mom bod. So there's so many women that feel very self-conscious about the fact that they have a mom bod. Okay. But then I go out to like, we went out last night yes. and you go to a bar and you see 20 somethings with a mom bod, but they haven't, they're not moms. They're 20 <laughs> so something mom bods. They're 20 something mom bods. <laughs> right. And I look at it and I go, yeah. 
I'm not so bad. At least I earned mine. I got something to show for my yeah. gut. What's what's you know my fupa's got got you know yeah. I got I got there's some mileage on it because of two kids. Yeah, yeah, I got street cred for my fupa. What's your excuse? Right. Um, and that's kind of like where I think women who are in their in their middle forties or you know transitioning, they need to understand that they're. Their stretch marks are their, those are battle scars. Yes. You know, they have to understand that, yeah, I I look like this because of these aspects of my life. Right. And nobody has a right to diminish that. However, most people will react if they inside believe. Like, we can't be angry if somebody says something to us unless nope. we believe right. what they're saying. Because if somebody speaks to an insecurity that you have, right. but you react that way, they did not make you react that way. No. You reacted that way. Yeah. So now you have to think about what is it that's making me feel this way? Right. There's a trigger. Right. And it's it's understanding what your triggers are. So if you feel self-conscious about your gut and somebody makes a comment like, Oh, congratulations on your pregnancy. Yeah. If you're already super sensitive about that, oh, God, you're going to get, end. <laughs> right, you're going to get super defensive. Right. But if you're truly 100% speaking truth about, no, I'm perfectly okay, then whatever anyone says to you, doesn't matter. Not, it's not going to have a bearing. Right. It's not going to make you stray. It's not going to have any, any issues. Right. And I've, I learned that through the process of being a plus size model and, you know, being insulted on set by photographers right. and being, um, not accepted and thought of as less than right and and i watched the transition and nowadays a lot of people approach the industry and are trying to force feed acceptance of like obesity right and and if they understood the fashion industry mentality Mm -hmm. then they would understand why they market things the way they do and and you know why only a certain type of body shape is shown. Right. But they don't understand it as a business. They just look at it as like, Hateful. I'm, yeah, like yeah. I, I'm this, you know, five foot four size 14 woman living in middle America and I need to be represented. Right. Well, that's not going to work because in the fashion industry, it's about selling clothes. Right. And a certain body shape is going to distort a style. Yep. And it's it's not an insult. It's a reality that models are walking hangers. Well, and I think that's a big uh, facet to point out, too, is it's just reality sometimes. Sometimes it's not directly at you because it's not always about you. Sometimes well, right. it's just reality, and right. that's the way it is. And that's where that ego and that self-esteem and those triggers come in. Right. Is I'm not accepting myself, so I need someone else to accept me. In right. order to be okay with what I am or what I look like. So I'm going to force feed my opinion and, and <laughs> yeah. whatever on on society. And you're not going to force society into submission. No. And That's you'll not notice gonna happen. that no matter the underground fashion industry, because there's, there's, two, there's two sides. There's the New York fashion industry and then there's everybody else. Right. And if it doesn't happen in New York, it doesn't happen. It, it just... Nobody care. Like it's it's a valid point for anyone who has not seen the Devil Wears Prada. Right. <laughs> so right. And if you'll notice, there's still only one type of plus size body shape really shown on the runways. Now, I will say that What's Rihanna her name, Graham Ashley Graham. Um, Ashley Graham. She's kind of yeah. 
But they're considering, you know what's interesting? Did you see that the new um, promo for the new Sports Illustrated run-up is that there's a woman that's going to be potentially the first plus size who is actually like a lot thicker than I guess. I don't know if there's like another level above a plus size model, mm-hmm. but that's what they were marketing at. They showed like the the final, like I guess the top 10. There's even a guy in the running as well. There is, so they're know, really trying to break outside the box right. in order to appeal to a wider audience well, to show that they're being at, accepting. You got to look at sales. Majority of America is a size 14 or over. Yeah. So there's a huge demographic that's not purchasing product because they're not represented. Right. So it's just smart marketing. Yeah. And you have to understand that as much as I, I, I don't think I've ever really come across a company that is truly 100 percent authentic when it comes to their marketing and how they've integrated plus sizes or full figure or whatever. I think that it's it's smart business Mm -hmm. for one. And what the consumer needs to understand is that money talks. Yes. And if them including or being more inclusive means a better bottom line, then they're going to figure out how to do it within the mission of whatever that company is selling. Right. You know, and so whatever model they choose there has to be a return on investment. And right. that's what they're looking at. So whatever model they choose, they're looking at which model here is going to, one, represent what we stand for, represent right. our product, but also going to give us that greater return on investment. Because right. models are products. We uh, are not yeah. people. We are a marketing tool. Right. To get So Sports Illustrated is the product. Right. We are a marketing tool to, to sell, sell the, the product. product. Right. And that's what... The industry, and that's what the general population needs to understand, is models, you're a dime a dozen. There is a thousand of you out there. Yep. And you're, they don't get to know you when they see your picture. It's, they're not like, oh, she looks like a wonderful person. She looks like she likes long walks on the beach. Right. They don't, <laughs> right. They don't know that you volunteer seven days a week and you're this yeah. you know, Mother Teresa personality. Nor do they and, care. And they don't care. They want to see how well you represent and how well you sell. Right. You know, um, and, and so they're judging you based on your product selling other products. And they want to see how well you're going to sell yours. On that note, we're going to give an opportunity for someone to sell their product and take a moment for our sponsors. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So we were talking about more in depth about models are the seller of the product, the product being whatever it is they're wearing or pitching in said campaign. Now, to go back to what we were talking about, which is empowerment, when you go and you look at it, um, it does talk about there's the three essential factors for empowerment, learning, labor, and leadership. I think one of the biggest facets that you encompass now is leadership. You're going out and you've decided you've set up your own business, set it up multiple times in various forms. Now you are very much thriving as the curvy flipper and you're starting to go into different avenues based off of your past as well with modeling. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, you also have some avenues for clothing that you've gone down um, with one of the companies over here for, I guess, clothing for women who are working in like uh, construction and stuff like this or flipping houses or something. Is this correct? So what I've learned, what I learned to do over the years of 
of just owning my own company is networking. Right. And so, yeah, I partnered with 511 Tactical. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, what 511 does is they um, provide, basically, they sell clothing for the tactical industry. So if you're thinking police officers, military. men usually. Right. And they have a very small women's department. Okay. That's what I was wondering, too. Okay. Yeah. So, unfortunately, the way that their company works is the more sales they make, the more clothing options they'll get. Right. However... With women, if you know anything about how women shop, we like variety. Yes. So the more options we get, the more likely we are to shop. Correct. So if you, if I walk into a store and their section has three pairs of pants, I'm not likely to go back because there's right. not a lot of variety. No. If you have 15 pairs of pants, I'm going to be more likely to come. And yeah. also my friends, because women are like snowflakes. No two of us are built alike. Nope. And... Um, so 511 Tactical, that's kind of like the rock and a hard place. So the GM of the store, uh, her and I got together, and I believe in what they do. The clothes they provide are, I mean, they have Teflon-coated pants, which means if I'm on the job site, wow. something spills, it rolls right off. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, I've had my pants catch multiple times on uh, wood snags, uh, screw heads, nail yeah. heads, things like that. None of my pants have torn. They're very durable. They're very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Multiple pockets, so I can carry tools with me if I don't want to carry my whole belt. Right. And so, Five Eleven is one of those companies that I I do support and I do work with and do uh, workshops and we do like um, a private shopping event for women. Yes. Women only, where we bring women in and teach them some self defense stuff. And- what are some of the biggest surprises you've seen from having your events? Where you said you've had them over at different stores like Lowe's, Floor and Decor, also now Five Eleven. Um, that you've seen from women, like what are some of the most common questions that you get? Um, I don't think I really get questions. Uh, for me, I think it's just more or less the women come in and and they're very appreciative of an Being environment. Represented. Yeah, a very safe environment. Yeah, for them to not feel stupid or preyed on or preyed on, mm-hmm. um, and that's really what it's about. I'm actually working on right now uh, an automotive workshop. Awesome. So I've partnered with um, an auto tech and we are coming up with workshops, multiple workshops, where we are actually going to teach women how to fix minor things on their vehicles. Nice. And then also educate them on things to look for when they go into a dealership or they go into a mechanic shop. Right. Certain lingo, certain things that they need to look for to know whether or not they're being taken advantage of. So would you say the main objective for these various training sessions and things like this, the classes and all this, is literally for empowerment to show them you don't need to be afraid. These are things you can do on your own. You don't have to constantly ask someone, especially you don't have to ask a man all the time. Right. And it's fear, fear based. We when we it's fear of the unknown and the human persona doesn't like to be uncomfortable. So we avoid situations that make us uncomfortable. Right. Going into a male dominated industry, whether it's uh, a contractor coming into your home, whether it's an HVAC tech or a plumber or an electrician or an auto mechanic. Right. All of those are not typically a female um, dominated or even even on the like for me I was kept in the kitchen with my grandmother and my mom learning right. how to cook the, the traditional family foods right while my brother was out hunting with my dad yeah. and my grandfather and he was learning all of those male yeah skill sets right so for me now I can give me a stand mixer and I can rock and roll but give me a drill and I because I have that I used to have that mental block of like well 
I'm already, I already don't know how to do this, so I'm just going to not do it and avoid it right. because of that fear of the unknown. Now it's, I understand where, where women are coming from and it's an intimidation thing. So it's my goal with these different workshops to break the cycle of intimidation. We have a friend that she was on the show for a bit and now she's pursuing a career in nursing. And one of her biggest things that she likes to say is fuck the patriarchy. And she's very much a feminist. And one of the things that she does strive for is there's stuff around her house that she's taking care of and she'll ask. But she wants to do it herself because she wants to buck that trend of, I'm not hiring a fucking man. I can do it myself. Right. I just need to kind of understand how. She will research to death videos and things like this and try to make sure that she has that pursuit going to where she is empowered. But it's just sad that that's not always the case for most because a lot of times they will fall back. You know, a woman will think, well, I was always raised this way. So I have to do that or I need someone to do that for me because apparently we just can't. And that's not the case. Well, I was also a military spouse for many, many years and left alone. And right. I was I was by myself raising two boys. Mm -hmm. And in my household, I was, you know, cooking and cleaning and doing the laundry and taking care of my kids and taking them to practices and doing all their school seminar thingies and showing up at all their award ceremonies. And I was very much the stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. And their dad was in the military and off, you know, defending our country and doing the military thing and playing that heroic part. And for me, it was really important for my two boys to see that their father was not the only option for a hero type in their household. Mom can be a hero, too. And that was a shift for me that I didn't want to be and I didn't want my children because they say that your children will marry Yes. A parent, you know, similar to their parent. Well, I didn't want my boys to find a woman who was okay with just, and there's nothing wrong with it. But for me personally, I don't want my children to marry a woman who is docile or complacent or uninspired. I want them to find a woman who is driven, who's going to challenge them. Do you find that, and it's interesting you just brought that up, um, because I do know someone that that's what her aspiration is. Her goal is she wants to be a mom mm-hmm. and she wants to be a stay-at-home mom. She works right now, but her eventual goal would be, you know, because she's married and she's like, you know, I'm okay with that. That's what I really want. Sometimes um, she feels like women such as yourself are almost offensive because it's like, what's wrong with me? Like, is it not okay to be a stay-at-home mom? Have you run into that? And how do you kind of answer or respond to that to make sure that it's not something that you're trying to put down? No, I... You know what? I thank God for the time that I was able to stay at home with my kids Mm -hmm. and be that influence in their life. However, in doing so, I lost 100% of my identity. Okay. And that's what I have a problem with. I have a problem with women who completely lose themselves into their family and give their identity away to their spouse or their children. And that's where when a man and a woman meet, okay, when, when two people meet, the personality, their interests, their hobbies, their characteristics are what attract each other. And then they fall in love and they get married and they find things in common. They challenge each other. They go about 
Um, and it, it's those, you know, I fell in love with you because you were ambitious and I fell in love with you because you were energetic and I fell in love with you because, you know, you, you were spontaneous and things like that. Well, over time, what I've noticed uh, through spending decades with women right. is women who, and, and I was one of them because remember I had that, that identity crisis right. when I, I, between the model and the mom okay. and I didn't know what that meant. So I thought, well, in order to be a good mom, I had to give up everything that I was. Okay. And now that I'm further along with my children, I've come to realize that how can I expect my children to try new things, right. to experiment, to not give up if I'm not living that truth? Yeah. You and have to that, be able to exist in the light that you're trying to shed for them. Right. So if I'm telling my kid, no, you need to try new things. You you know, you, need, <laughs> you can't not try new things. Right. You can't not, you know, you can't just go through life and be like, well, I don't want to do that. Well, how do you, why don't you want to do that? Right. I, I don't like it. Well, how do you know you don't like it if you don't try it? Right. And then they're going to come back at me and go, well, mom, you're not trying new things. You're, like, you're not doing this. You get up in the morning and clean the house every yeah, day. Yeah, part so, of that old do as I say, not, not as, as I, I do, do mentality. Right. right. And so for me, my personal platform for, for me as a mom, I realized that I had completely lost myself. Yep. And that is not the kind of platform that's not the kind of uh, place that I wanted to be for my children. I wanted right. them to look at me and go, okay, look at my mom. She's she's doing it. She's reinventing herself. She's, right. you know, I went from zero to being able to support myself. Right. Um, you know, now in the situation I'm in a, as a single woman, I can support myself to an extent um, and not have to rely. And that was a big drive for me is, right. is my kids need to see that I can do it because then if I can do it, they can do it. Absolutely. And it's it's female empowerment with a focus, it sounds like, on your identity, fighting for your identity, right. maintaining your independence. You can still be with someone, but it doesn't mean you lose yourself in exchange. Well, you look at a, how a lot of marriages might disintegrate. Mm -hmm. And it's usually, frequently sometimes, um, when one person in that party has completely lost themselves and absorbed the personality of, of their partner. Right. And allowed whatever part of them that had been fallen in love with or mm -hmm. had been the attractive part. Right. That they fall out of love or then divorce comes around. But then you see them reconcile or you see maybe a couple years later after mm -hmm. they break up that the person who was broken up against, you right. know, whichever party, goes out and they lose weight and they they – they get back in shape and they build up their confidence and they, you know, rediscover themselves. And then all of a sudden their partner, their previous partner is like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Like here you are, here you are, you know, <laughs> yeah. this, like, wow, you look fantastic. You know, those types of comments. And that's because whichever part they just got complacent, they right. lost their identity due to the relationship. And for me, where empowerment comes in is I see a lot of women who are in that that mentality is they've lost who they are. So when I do empowerment classes, if I do an, a workshop, if I'm speaking, my goal is to give the women the tools to rediscover their passion, rediscover who they really are. And it's not to take away like you don't have to go against what your partner wants. Right. And if your partner's not supporting your individuality and your dreams, then you have to wonder yeah. Why? And is that a partner that you really need to be with? Right. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people get fearful of having to come to that reality. But I also think it's important to note, too, that you yourself even recently found yourself 
accidentally, after doing it, realizing that you actually liked doing some new stuff that you're involved in right now. And it wouldn't have been something you would have figured out, except you got into it and you realized that you liked doing that. And that was more of your hands-on approach with the other side of the stuff that goes on with the house flipping and those different avenues. So now you know, but you wouldn't have. Right. So you're just out there to encourage, go ahead, get dirty. See, you might like it. Right. And, you know, the one thing is when it comes to trades, right. trades are the one industry that has no bias. Right. They don't care who you used to be. They don't care what kind of baggage you bring. They yep. don't care if you've been in jail. Exactly where I was headed. Yeah. They don't care about any of There's that. There's a reason that a lot of felons are in those things. They don't care. Just do it. Just as long as you show up when you're supposed to show yep. up, do the work you're supposed to do, you do it on time and you do it right. I don't care. They don't care about the gender. They don't care no. about your past. They mm-hmm. just want you to work. No. Yes. And, you know, I have a mentor and, and she's a perfect example of this. And her story drives me constantly. But she was, um, she had a basketball scholarship. Mm-hmm. She is a, she was African-American female. Yep. Basketball scholarship. She was dating a drug dealer. And the drug dealer, um, she wanted to get break up. Okay. And she was on her way to college where she was going to play basketball. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, do me a favor. Um, do this one last drop. And then oh, we'll be done no. with it. So, and it was a setup. Yep. So she got arrested. Bye-bye scholarship. Yep. She went to jail. Yep. So now she's got nothing to fall back on, came out. And when she got out of jail, she basically partnered up with a real estate investor. Okay. Um, and there's something like you can do called bird dogging. There's mm-hmm. things that you can do for real estate investing that you may not know what to do, but you can get a commission if you're helping right. a real estate investor. And so she got her first $500 and then she reinvested that into, you know, another property. And then she made a thousand and then she started to network and then she started to work on the job sites and she started to learn the trades and she's built a $30 million company that now does business nationwide. Wow. As a female, a minority owned female ex felon whose company is worth over $30 million. That's fantastic. Are we giving a shout out to her? Not yet. All right. No. Well, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, what a crazy story that is, though. I mean, it just shows the tenacity that can pay off and it goes a long way. A lot of people don't follow through and that's the biggest problem or they just give up. They get one little setback and that's the end. Right. But you got to keep going. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and state that I'm glad that you're here to talk about female empowerment. I know that we are going to do many more segments like this, and every single time I'm going to tell you to just trust me, okay? Thank you. We'll be right back. Yeah. 